Hey everyone, this episode of Star Trek The Next Conversation is brought to you by the good folks at Chaco Grams. Chaco Grams. <laughs> uh, they're our sponsor for the entire month of October. And speaking of October, they have some spooky treats lined up for you guys. Uh, we're talking Halloween special bark candy kit. Oh, I'm talking candy corn, gummy worms. And limited, uh, the other limited edition Halloween bar contains peanut butter candy, M&M's, and toffee mixed in to milk chocolate. There is yeah. a limited amount available. So when it's gone, it's gone. I like to say that. I like limited. Wow. I like limited editions. Yeah, it really puts the pressure on. So I don't know what you're doing, guys. Just get out there and order some Choco Grams. Uh, they're sold in individual bags for sharing or... A wine glass for treating yourself. Uh, in a bath. That's how I would do it uh, with some candles. I'd do it in a second. So, guys, head over to I Love Choco Grams. I L O V E C H O C O G R A M S dot com and use the promo code Frank Sinatra Come On to save 15% off your first order. Uh, there's a lot of delicious treats on there. And uh, quite frankly, if you're looking for a gift idea for somebody, or if you want to treat yourself, I suggest you head over and order yourself a delicious Choco Graham. And then... It's Andy approved. It, it is. Also, as a lot of other people, the people write in just to tell us they like Choco Grams, which is nice. That's uh, our fans. I love it. And um, also, when you're after your initial order, uh, they've been generous enough to give us a special promo code for our uh, our patrons um, for additional 10% off for your following orders if you're like me and can't control yourself and keep ordering there you go here's the show everyone Podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Star Trek, the next conversation, the galaxy's number probably six or seven or twelve podcasts to talk about Star Trek, the next generation, and Star Trek in general. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. And I'm Devin Aniral. Oh, so subtle, so quiet. That's Devin Aniral, everybody. Your favorite empath. Anyway, I uh, hope you're doing great. This is part one of two. That's right. We got a two-parter in the middle of the season yet again. We've already had Chain of Command part one and two. Now we have Birthright part one and two. I don't know what was going on in that room, but they were like, I've got an idea, and it can't be told in 44 minutes. I'm sure that happened often. I feel like I always, on on, uh, on the shows I've been on, been like, this should be a two-parter. <laughs> yeah, but rarely do they anyone go, yes, multiple times yeah, in a well, season. Well, that's true. That's true. It does seem juicy. You got the data thing. You got the wharf thing. Sure, it's it's a lot of juice and, and so much juice that we'll get into it. Matt, would you have them watch this episode? 
yeah, I guess. <laughs> Reasonable. <laughs> a rigging endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I forget the I forget the second part, and that's it. Drives me crazy that I can't remember the second part. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I should watch the second part, and I was like, nah. I bet Andy didn't, so why should I? I did. Right. You're right. That's right. I know it's my true. Andes. Um, yeah, it's an interesting question. We usually do fall into talking about both episodes if we have seen both episodes. Yeah, so, and then so it would become one it. giant episode, and then that, that that's a problem in and of itself. You're gonna, aren't you going to have a, uh, I don't know what you would call it, spoiler, spoileritis in this uh in this episode because you'll know them and I'll be asking a bunch of Secunda questions uh, I don't know honestly I don't I don't know we'll also, I'm, I'm very confused as to how why are you echoing this doesn't make any sense to me. I'm not echoing the uh, sound effects are echoing they're echoing why are they echoing oh because you're hearing them through the H6 huh. I mean I don't care I just didn't want to make sure it wasn't screwing up anything uh, no it shouldn't be screwing up anything but I also want you to have a pleasant listening experience. I don't care. And I want this to work. Guys, again, I'm patching 400 mean. cables through 700 different things. It is out of control the way this podcast gets made. It's like I'm a regular guy who is... What do you call it? You're Doc uh, Brown. Jerry-rigging many things. I'm Scotty, You're... but bad. <laughs> bad Scotty. Tune in. This. That's the new... It's a new Kurtzman show. Tune in for it. <laughs> Bad Scotty. Now he's French for some reason. Way to go, guys. Um, I guess we should go to the Admirals Club. Why not? Welcome to the Admirals Club. Uh, here we are in the Admirals Club, everybody. No door sound of effects. Good ones. Hey, Matt. Yeah. How do they get into the... Ooh, now I can ask it and it actually has a purpose. Yeah, that's <laughs> Not right. explained in the song. Uh, how do they get into the Admiral's Club? Uh, they just go ahead over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. They can write anything they want. They'll still be in the Admiral's Club, and uh, Andy will select uh, whatever he feels like uh, for the week to be singled out as Admiral Club uh, admittees. Although all you can do is leave the review and you're in. Who, um, who Matt, may I ask question we got a couple of good ones is there a way that a haiku is supposed to be read because someone sent us a couple of haikus yeah it's like uh like you care like it just with emphasis and and <laughs> i passion. guess i mean i suppose you do you hit the line breaks in a certain way i don't know i'm not much of a haiku guy um well brad brady Wright five uh sent us a uh an animals club review and uh it's entitled tnc haiku to explore their verbose journey their trek through trek let us transport into the haiku verse with a double haiku andy matt and frakes talk trek take hails and hope you live long and prosper and then i guess the second part is they share their insights episode by episode their nerd sales unfurled <laughs> Um, good job. It's um, really, I love it. Whenever anyone can work a Darmok in there, I'm happy about it. Um, and this next one, uh, I love. Uh, it's entitled uh, "Tara Found a Boyfriend." Tara found a boyfriend uh, from Snarky McSnarkface. 
Um, and she says, I started listening to TNC about a year ago when I decided to make my first foray into the Star Trek world by watching TNG. I didn't want to watch it on my own, so I searched for a podcast to follow along and found TNC. Little did I know the impact the podcast would have on my life, from keeping me company when I was unexpectedly stuck in the hospital in Orlando after mom had emergency surgery on the last day of vacation to the supportive face group who offered encouragement through all their hardships of 2020. This podcast has gotten me through a lot. But most of all, it helped me find a boyfriend. Thanks to this podcast, I was able to recognize a Star Trek reference in an email from an acquaintance, which led to further conversation, and now we're dating. So thanks to TNC, I can retire my own personal Tara needs a boyfriend <laughs> jingle. Uh, I'm singing it wrong. needs a girlfriend. <laughs> no, I said it right. Uh, oh, and uh, the podcast is pretty good, too. Keep up the good work, guys. Tara, we couldn't be happier. Five Hope stars. Okay. I love that this podcast is causing other people to get uh, relationships, and, and Andy is uh, Andy's still out there, everybody. You know, i got to stay on brand. Um, what is your and brand, that's it? Andy? Describe your brand. <laughs> Sad? <laughs> alone? Sad and alone? Um, uh, feel free to uh, head us into the president circle, pal. Okie dokie, here we go. <laughs> Yes, here we are. It's the President's Circle. Andy's typing again. It was really echoey. I don't care. It only affects you, Andy. Nobody else. This one was about the volume. Uh, that was loud for you? It was normal just, just volume a tad. for us. You know, look, Matt, I'm I, I, typing look, to you, I, I, so we're not taking up their time. All you have to do is I look at it. All I hear is the typing uh, <sighs> below your fans. You know, you're complaining about me, that I'm listening to this blasting music, and I'm the problem, this echoey, blasty music. I'm quietly just saying, hey, can you nudge it down a little bit? And you're telling me my typing's the problem? Yeah, I had to turn, I turned it up because it was too low. Jesus Christ. It's too low. What's too low? The, that, is, that has to be the level that it's at. Otherwise, they can't hear it. Look at All right, then I leave I it. I wish I could show you the waveform over here. I don't. I believe you. Sometimes, I was just, sometimes it is very loud, like when I hit an air horn. I can give you that. We're hundred. We're full on like people who work in cubicles that are side by side and have been working there for like five years and and really have issues uh, with what the other person's uh, doing uh, look, in their cubicles. I, I, I just I want this to work normally. I don't know what the fuck I did between the last recording and this recording, and it's really I'm I'm just trying. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know These if I can very, lower that. As long as they, it's okay for them, Matt, it doesn't matter. Just leave it alone. It is okay for them, but if it's too loud for you, I don't know. No, don't sweat it. I was just asking. I need you to be happy. Well, you got Along a lot of work ahead of you if that's... Well, the audience uh, probably eh, could be... I mean, look, they could. it could be better. Uh, let's be honest. <laughs> look, if they're listening to our podcast, as soon as they stop listening, I'm sure their happiness goes up a little. I just don't... I don't know. I don't know what to do. Tell okay. them about our Patreon, Matt. <laughs> if you want more of that. <laughs> this isn't enough. <laughs> uh, if you want more of that. Oh, have I got a place for you? You head over to patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC and uh, become a patron. You can get yourself up to four bonus episodes every single month. 
Lieutenant's level, you're getting two episodes of Enterprise. President Circle level, you're getting two episodes of Enterprise along with two episodes of Voyager. That's right. Andy and I are expanding the Star Trek universe in our own little Patreon. So come on by, will you? I promise it won't be too loud. But I can't really make that promise. It could be loud. I don't know. <laughs> it, it may be too loud for me. It won't be too loud for you. Hopefully. Uh, again, it could be. I don't know. <laughs> People have different listening uh, volumes that they like things at. But uh, uh, hopefully you can adjust. Look, I try to level everything to be one level. I don't know. I don't know. It's the president's circle. Guys, we're here because somebody wrote something great. And that person is going to receive the Christopher Pike Medal of Valor. Not an actual award. Don't expect anything in the mail. But you'll be given it via our vocal awareness. Hello and enjoy your award. Andy, who is getting it this week? It is Lieutenant Kathleen Guzman who wrote us uh, in regards to the last episode, Tapestry. Um, and other people had said that they were thinking the same thing. And when I read it, I was just like, oh, my God, that's uh, an amazing thought. She says, uh, I like to think that it wasn't actually a Q episode, which is why there's no Q theme title. It was all in Picard's head. And it's kind of, I think, generally brushed under the, uh, this is me speaking, it's kind of generally brushed under the carpet because I think Q shenanigans are so often sort of dreamlike and, and weird. But uh, there is nothing specific Correct. that no, nothing proves that it happened. I mean, I guess if he looked in the in the log books and saw that there were things slightly different than, uh, then I guess that would, what do you mean? It, but like, um, I don't know. Like he was responsible for instance, uh, with, uh, with rigging the pool table, but I guess that wouldn't have been in the logs anyway. So I guess I'm just wondering if something was different. Oh, I mean, he could, I suppose he could hit up, uh, Corey, and go, hey, bud, remember that time we got in that fight with the Nazi again and I got stabbed in the heart? Right. Did I Am I crazy, the... but did right. I tamper, did I help you with the pool table? And then he'd tell you. Right. He could also just ask the lady if they messed around or not. Uh, oh, I mean, oh, that's a good question. Then that would be an irreparably uh, harmed friendship at that point. So he'd have to ask Some people you. had written in saying, well, wait a minute, he didn't fix that. That's right. So it would It's be... interesting that to become a more responsible person, he actually destroyed his friendship with his female friend. <laughs> that was part of the uh, the outcome of that. Sort of strange. He became a more responsible person and then caused a problem with his female best friend. Well, I don't know if she was his best friend. They seemed close. Uh -huh. Um Wait, but don't you? But aren't you? Don't you think that it's it ha always happened? Don't you think that? I thought you thought that. No, I don't. No, I think it's stated that it was something that he always thought about, but it never happened. Right, but your whole thing when he's laughing that tells right. you that he. Well, that's that where moment. it's a complicated thing. Thank but you I for do understanding that you are wrong. Uh, I don't know that I. Well, I feel wrong. Well, I feel like the laugh is is sort of has always been the same moment. So maybe Q is allowed him if this in fact Q was <laughs> in fact involved in this. It's not Q. Q's allowed him to have the one laugh. Anyway, it's also addressed in some of the other hails. But I'm That's, inclined uh, to think Pike. that it was Q. 
um, based on later episodes of the series. Uh, I mean, if it wasn't Q, Picard is doing a bang-up job of nailing Q's voice in in that dream. Could you imagine if everyone had his voice? Just a bunch of Patrick Stewart's. Uh, would, I mean, look, a delightful it would, world. It wouldn't be terrible. Yeah, well, be, so so terrible. But also be funny. That's true. Um, Maybe it can be a Lower Decks. Hey, Lower Decks. Hey, write it lower up. Lower Decks. A lot of people have said, hey, does Lower Decks listen to you guys? Because they they said that they're doing a lot of stuff. It's probably Star Trek parallel thinking, I have yeah. to assume. There's only so many jokes you can make about Warp Corps breaches. Uh, let's go ahead, Andy, and... Uh, hear what the priority one messages are priority one message from starfleet coming in on secured channel if you do join our patreon you get priority access to the hail bag your hails are looked at first and given priority given special priority preference and anyway i think uh, i think ultimate tracker writes us uh, is it possible that this whole thing was q's way to trick picard to sleep with him <laughs> I like it. Seems reasonable. Um, uh, Lieutenant Scott Lieberman writes, uh, it's always stuck in my craw a bit. Uh, this was sort of going off of what I was saying last week. It's always stuck in my craw a bit that when Picard, when Picard calls what he's become a dreary man and denigrates his position. Plenty of people must do that kind of work and are the backbone and, quote, essential workers of Starfleet and the real world. Why put them down like that? I get that it's not the same as being captain, but sheesh. And Eric Peebles backs uh, that opinion up, saying, so right, not a big fan of this episode for that very reason. I would have liked it if they fleshed out his new life. Maybe he loved working in astrophysics, found a passion for it. Maybe he had good friends on board and was much more special. Maybe even a girlfriend or a family. Make it a real choice instead of captain or, quote, dreary man with no imagination. And then the great and terrible Lizak also adds, yes, it makes me crazy that he doesn't check to see if he has a family or a side career as a flutist or something. Flautist? Mm-hmm. Um, I would have loved it if in that meeting with Troy and Riker, they were like, well, career-wise, you're going no- nowhere. That's probably because you're so focused on rocking every talent show with your classical music group and your Shakespearean sonnets. I think these are all really valid points, and they really hit me wrong in the episode, not to mention... They kind of pointed out they should. I think they should have collapsed the beginning of that episode story-wise, and they should have spent more time on the "It's a Wonderful Life" side of it, of seeing like how his life is completely screwed, everything, and maybe it's even screwed up other people's lives because he wasn't himself. Yeah, but I think Q's assurances that nothing will history won't be altered. Right. Um. Yeah, I guess that's true. Sort All right, well, even that. even then, more of an indication of, like, what's so bad about being a blue shirt? Well, you're also forgetting that that's not who he is. So I think the whole point of that speech is, like, he's he is not that guy. The Picard who is suddenly in that moment has not lived the life of that Picard, of the blue shirt Picard. You're yeah. putting red shirt Picard into this blue shirt's life, which is not at all what Patrick's not Patrick Stewart. What, it's not at all what Pat, <laughs> Captain Picard wants. It wouldn't be what Patrick Stewart wants either. He doesn't want to be a you know a you day player know. in the he, background. He might. He might. Uh, he might yeah. No small like, actors. Maybe he likes a no small parts. You know, lighter day doesn't have to do as much heavy lifting. But um, what I'm saying is like that. That is all. 
wove it into that speech for me is 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 that it's John Luke Picard who is yeah, not but doing that. The, the guy point who they're making has been a Borg. The guy who has lived that life uh, in the inner light. The guy that has, um, you know, that. That's not what his complaint with. is, though. No, I know, but that his complaint that is, is what his complaint. Is. I have no imagination. I'm not this guy he is in not. general. That's correct. That's true, but except that his fault with the guys based on very little information other than he has he's a lieutenant lieutenant junior grade um so it's sort of uh, like well i disagree because i think that the i think that he in gets astrophysics a, he gets a lot i think he gets all the information he needs from that conversation with Riker and troy in 10 forward yeah but his first question is could i advance isn't it uh, he says that he believes he's capable of uh, very much more. Yeah. So how does he know how much he's doing? Maybe he's really made a difference in that. Uh... He wouldn't be a lieutenant junior grade. He'd be heading up astrophysics at fucking Starfleet Academy. So you're very rank driven, too. I'm not rank driven. I'm like, you're saying maybe he's done so much. And I'm like, he wouldn't just be lieutenant junior grade. Maybe he's done stuff outside of Starfleet. Maybe he's done stuff in his real life. Maybe Again, he's... but also I think it's all regret that he has now living this life that is not his. I think it's an immediate regret. But the regret is based primarily on his position on the starship. I, 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 I mean, it's presented that way, yes, but I think, you know, contextually... I understand what everybody's saying. <laughs> and if you read it and on the surface, yes, that is what it's saying. But I guess this is all I'm saying is like that's why I would like them to have spent a little more time in this new life and dug in a little more. But f- f- to what end? To the end exactly what I'm saying of seeing exactly what it is that's the flaw in the new life or in his character. But then what I mean but but like I guess my question is like Do you think Jean-Luc Picard, as what we know of him, do you think he'd want to live in that life that is not his? It depends what the life is. Maybe he'd be he, like, I fucking went through this already when I, he was, ended up when on I a, was on the inner light, that episode that everyone loves. I, don't I mean, we fucking, know... I don't need to jump into somebody else's fucking life again. We know how he ended up in Picard, so it seems like it's possible <laughs> that he would just throw in the cards and lay back and... Etc. Um, but that's at a, such a different time in his life. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I guess I'm just I saying get it's what possible. you're all saying, and it makes sense for sure. But for me, it, it was never about it was never about the it was never about the particular of being a lieutenant junior grade in astrophysics. It was always to me. It always felt like it was about his life and not and having to live in a life that he has a 25 30 year gap now or I guess it'd be like a 40 year gap yeah so I don't know alright well Lieutenant Commander Cosmo Moore says about the blue shirt business too bad blue shirt Picard's job wasn't cleaning Livingston's tank and citation ops citation ops 
That's what it says. I think oh, it might no. be a Siri issue. Um, Imagine if there was a citation ops and it was just the. What other ops the, would that be? The department in uh, the department that wrote tickets. Yeah. <laughs> giving out giving out speeding parking tickets. <laughs> um, what else could it be? I think Cosmo Moore uh, uses Siri a lot. I think that's the uh, the reason. What would citation ops be? He's talking about ops. Dolphin Town. So, um, Cretation, 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 Cretation. There we go. Uh, Lieutenant Jason Inman writes, I will always, we are particularly a mess today. Uh, uh, I will always have a special connection to tapestry. Perhaps you could call this action figure corner. I thoroughly enjoyed the It's a Wonderful Life Picard episode called Tapestry, but several years later, this episode led to my first exclusive nerd toy. Toy Fair magazine had an exclusive Picard action figure made by Playmates of Picard in the green uniform from this episode. Mm, He's saying green. Um, He's more of a turquoise. It's just a repainted uh, Picard figure, but still. Sent in the money, got it. Treasuring my first exclusive nerd swag. Sadly, I have no idea what happened to that figure over the years. I wanted to point you toward a very cool piece of TNG trivia. Yeah, I was uh, thinking for myself. This is Andy. Uh, I was thinking for myself. That would be a great obscure <laughs> figure. I had one. Blue shirt Picard? Yeah. You had one? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, had a, I had a red shirt Data, too. The red shirt Data looks much cooler. Um, you could play a real And cool... I had a uh, yellow shirt Riker. This sounds like a perfect alternate universe uh, uh, bridge. I'm trying to think of what else I had in the weird uh, uniform situations. Oh, I had. They did a Picard in this uniform in the in the in the in the con uniform. Um, what else did I have? Yeah, I had some weird ones. Yeah, I had Q in the Star Trek uniform. I think that was a normal action figure. Yeah, that's probably um, what be in. Yeah. Anyway. But I enjoy the walk down memory lane, everybody. Me too. Um, Lieutenant Jane Lindgren uh, writes, the post-TOS science outfits never really got enough exposure. In TNG, it was basically Crusher, often covered by Doctor's Coat, and Troy in the final seasons. DS9 had Bashir and Dax, and Voyager had the Doctor. And Seven, in a few blessed moments where she looked way hotter in a proper uniform than in those damn cat suits. Good point, uh, Jane. Yeah, I again. I, I also like every time I see Troy now in her regular uniform. I'm like, what the f- what took so long? It really bothered you. <laughs> Thank you, Jellico. <laughs> You're such a stickler. Uh, Lieutenant Neil Stud uh, says, uh, if you could have given Tapestry a Q theme title, we were talking about this. What would it have been? Me, I vote for Q only live twice. It's a, such a great title. I like it. <laughs> and then Joe shall distance more. Uh, good for you, Joe. Uh, came here to post Q over. Uh, that's like also that a good too. one. He says yours is way better. I don't know, Joe. I think that's a close call. Uh, Eric Peebles writes, uh, when it comes to pronouncing Cardassian properly, Andy is often Devanani wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so true. That's funny. <laughs> uh, and then Frederick Rombouts uh, sent us a long one, uh, but all interesting. Random stuff. 
I always interpreted that Picard just got stabbed laugh as Andy did. When this first happened, it was a curious involuntary reaction to the pain, but on reliving the experience, it took on the added layer of being grateful to have changed fate and also realizing how ironic it was that he laughed the but first time around. That's not what Andy was saying. It's Isn't it similar? I'm saying... No. He's aware of the that, future. You're saying that... the Yeah, but that's why he laughed the first time? That's what you were saying. Well, when, in Star when Trek... When he and Q are watching him get stabbed and he starts laughing, you... It's complicated. <laughs> you are saying... Not yes. what Cosmo or not what um, Frederick Frederick is saying. You're saying something very different. Frederick's. Uh, oh, he's saying I can get more. He, on he's board saying with. it's involuntary the first time. Yes, the which second I completely time, agree with. It was ironic. Yeah, that probably is what it is. That makes more sense. Yeah. Oh my thank god! Thank you for clarifying. All it, all it takes is someone who's not me to write it in. So thank you, everybody. Please keep keep it up. Please write it in whenever I have something that I'm saying to Andy. Please put it in words he will understand, because I can never find them. In Matt, the they do it for both of us. Everybody writes in and says, you didn't understand me, or I didn't understand you. Well, it's, uh, it's I would, why don't you ever tell me when I don't understand you? I'd I like try to, to. You don't listen. I listen. You, you say, I don't listen. That's why it's a great podcast. Uh, I think we're going to lose a lot of Patreon people this month. Well, um, their fault for listening to more of us. Is it? You want to blame our patrons? That seems like bad advertising. The uniforms discussion. Holy cow. Okay, this is Frederick still. The white inner uh, jacket flap lining is for captains and above. Commanders and below have the tan lining. All of this is unrelated to the division color of the undershirt's and the shoulder straps. Uh, BTW, there's no logical reason, besides uh, looking more heroic, for Picard to have been in command white. Assuming he was he was in his helmsman days, he should have been in orange, same as Sulu had worn. He also says, uh, I think I once read that there was an idea for a scene with Barkley bossing around Lieutenant Junior Grade Picard <laughs> to really hammer home his I new would, lot in life. I would love that. Yes, it just would have been amazing. Uh, He says, I wish uh, Jellico had been the Enterprise captain, and uh, I wish there was an overheard announcement about Delta Shift beginning. (laughs) Um, Oh, my God. The tapestry action figure that I had is there. It's on eBay for $650. Holy crap. They only made 1,701 of them. Man. Uh, It's a sweet one. I mean, that is a great figure demoted Picard so oh no no I'm talking about the one of him in the um, Wrath of oh, Khan tapestry. In tapestry. The, gotcha. in, the, in the Wrath of Khan outfit gotcha. tapestry is also it could have been the right. green one that one is also good um, I would prefer the, the junior grade one head cannon is the Q is do, also doing it's a wonderful life for Thomas Halloway in this same fantasy how <laughs> <going> <laughs> his regrets of never having been a ship captain were misplaced and his life at Utopia Planitia was actually pretty great uh, further headcanon Thomas Alloway and Rupert Crandall are BFFs and hanging out all the time oh my god I wish oh, I want that to be true uh, Cam writes uh, Recuse motivation uh, which I was uh, asking about in my inimitable fashion uh, I think he's playing a very long game. Without spoiling, there's one Q episode of TNG to go, and then he turns up on Voyager. I'm surprised there's only one more. Uh, one more season. He usually does one a season. He sometimes just he does a couple. Two. No. Well, 
No, he did Farpoint, and then he did, um, he did, uh, hang on, Farpoint, and then QQ was in season two. Season three was the uh, one where uh, he is has his powers stripped of him. Season four is Cupid, where he repays, wants to repay the debt for how kind they were by uh, getting uh, Picard and Vosh hooked up. Uh, mm-hmm. And then season five, there is no Q episode. And then in season six, there is Q, uh, Q, whatever the hell with Olivia Diabo. Then uh-huh. there's this one, Q Dabo, Q Dabo, and then there's one more in season seven. Was True Q the Riker one? That's the name of it. That's True Q. Wasn't that in the first season also? No, no. True Q is the Olivia Diabo one. Oh, oh yeah, was there the... was that other one in the first season. Yeah. What was that? Q in the Gray? Ah, you nailed it. Andy's a Star Trek fan. I did it. See, sometimes I know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, it turns up on Voyager, and I think those appearances kind of reinforce the idea that there's a grand plan and involving... Space Nine. Humanity. Oh, really? That's nice. I'm glad. We know the Q already knew about humans because they're ostensibly omnipresent and because Amanda's parents were on Earth prior to Farpoint, and when Q first encounters them, he acts like they're at some kind of tipping point. Then, what does Q do? Demonstrate why absolute power corrupts to Riker, help them prepare for the Borg, shows Picard his loving side, forces, forces them to show him compassion when he's helpless, and then help Picard understand his own life. I think you could argue these are all connected to some grand plan to make humanity better, prepare them for what's to come, and ready Picard for future events. If Q turns up in the Picard show, I think they might actually go down that route. Uh, and show that Q has been an ally this whole time, albeit, albeit, albeit one who's obnoxious. I, I, I don't at all disagree with that assessment of it. That's sort of how I feel about Q. I think uh, it's adding up to that more and more all the time. Uh, I think the, the interesting question is, well, here's another thought. Q, after he learns more about humanity and he grows himself, he changes. So by the end, he is helpful. Whereas at the beginning, he was more of your classic Q. Uh, interesting. Interesting. That's, um, a, that's a very short while then for him to... Well, for in, a Q, in, sure. in a Q, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, that's that's how, what an impact us wow. humans had on him. Picard, you're really, you're really great. <laughs> it really is mostly Picard. Uh, I'm about to uh, I'm about to refer to something in the um, in to, in today's sounds. So if you want to go into the Dropbox, uh, uh, but I'm going to read a, a hail first, uh-huh. uh, not a hail, a priority one message. It's the last one from Jorgen Peterson or Jorgen Peterson. Weird Sinatra adjacent facts: Frank's second wife, Ava Gardner, was also once married to Mickey Rooney. Frank's fourth and last <laughs> wife, Barbara, was also once married to Zeppo Marx. Thank you. I guess I should have saved that for the Sinatra section. Yeah. Oh, that was but dumb. also, wow, I didn't know that. That's fun. If, you have um, any, if anybody out there has any more Sinatra facts, send them on over. Sure, why not? This is the place for it. We can certainly the use them uh, in the Voyager <laughs> section. <laughs> That's true. 
unless we come up with something else there. Uh, Tobias Hughes Brown sent us a sound file and says, "Hope you hope you like it." Uh, as an alternate to "I'm Devanani and I'm Devanani Rall." I'm Galdakat, commander of the Second Order. <laughs> so, oh, Galdakat. You know what? It's still it's, with... it's too. Um, I feel like. Uh, um. Troy's mother must have at some point said, "I am Loxana Troy, holder of the Sacred Chalice, heir to the oh, Rings of Come on, I th- I think the real the real slam dunk is if you can get an and in front of it. Yeah, that's really the yes, that's really that the missing where... piece. I don't even know why Devanani Ralt would have been saying like, was it the list of people and he was at the end go- popping uh, his head out, going? It must have been Devin whoever Ralt. was negotiating, right? In that right. in that in that negotiation. But if, even if they said, I'm Jean-Luc Picard, what a weird thing to go, and I'm Devanani Rall. <laughs> no, but like, it must have been like, I'm Frank Flurfleur from the from the tri- the planet that hates this planet. I'm blank, blank, right. blue, blue. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's, he's so proud of himself. Uh, there's a prime corrective. He has no reason not to be proud of himself. Because he's Devanani Rall. So true. Uh, there is a prime corrective, which means it's time to play the prime corrective theme, which, of course, I uh, can find very easily. Uh, oh, oh thank God. Time for retrospective, because truth is all objective. It's a prime corrective, because Matt and Andy got it wrong. Hi, Matt and Andy. I uh, love the podcast. It's funny entertainment, and I can't wait to get to you for you to get to ds9 i hope you haven't changed your opinion after the beginning of this podcast my friend uh first i'm not sure if this is a prime corrective but it's informative yes there was a baseball game i remember that was halted due to bees it was a cubs game in arizona it was a spring training game but uh when i went on youtube you will find more examples i guess of bees uh second the real prime corrective Picard did laugh after being stabbed, which was said in the episode The Samaritan Snare, which was explained in the shuttle scene uh, with Wesley while eating the sandwiches. Those sandwiches were a real weird touch. Below is the link with an interesting title. Do you agree he eats the sandwiches seductively? I, I had forgotten he even wrote that. And I was uh, saying he ate the sandwich is weird. Love the show. Nice. Jeff Meaners. Or Miners. Uh, were you going to send me something or no? Uh, Yeah, I can send it. Oh, that was is that also in our Dropbox? No, that's not in our Dropbox. Oh. Uh, eh. Sorry, guys. Well, we can move on, and I'll send it to you. All right. Uh, then I suppose that's the end of the hail. Oh, yeah, there's no link there. Oh, he said he forgot the link. Here it no. is. Nope. This is... Time for a retrospective, because truth is our objective. It's a prime corrective, because Matt and he got it wrong. Uh, that's how we get out of there. Uh, so we're getting out of the president circle finally. And that means it's time for some hails. Captain, we are being hailed. 
What? <laughs> Wait, isn't it time for hails? That aren't, no. weren't those all priority one messages? Because we never left the president circle. You're right. That last one was a hail. This oh my is, god! Is, I am fully. I don't off even the rails. know what to do anymore. I don't either. Ah, ah, we read that in the president circle. Oh god! That guy got. Oh no! We <laughs> gotta got go tell heard. We gotta go back in there. Hang on. <laughs> oh god! This is terrible, Andy. <laughs> I don't even know if we can get in anymore. Oh thank god. Hello! Hello, everyone! Yes, please, forget! Forget what you just heard! The United Federation! Alright, I'll wait for this music to stop. Yes, yes, thank you. Okay, great. Hi. Yes. Everyone, please forget what you heard, okay? That was not supposed to be read in here. Thank you, okay? Bye. I think that worked. They're definitely not going to remember. Sometimes we do the show and I feel like we really hit our stride. <laughs> really, it's pretty smooth. We've, uh, you know, it was bumpy for a while, but we really hit it. And sometimes. Never. I just feel like. We will never be smooth. It's like the first time either of us have ever done a podcast instead um, of hundreds of hours. I did send you the link if you're interested in looking oh, at great. it. Oh, great. But. Uh, <laughs> it does, in fact, say Picard eating sandwich seductively. Galactic outpost in those days. Was this before the Klingons joined the Federation? That's right. Well, my mates and I were at the the Bombstell Recreation Facility. Well, let me go ahead to the sandwich. But if we'd not been so near to a medical facility, I would surely have died. Really? Then what happened? He does seductively eat the sandwich. I was no hero, was I? Maybe. And I like the description. Hottest scene in television history. (laughs) Maybe new theory. Picard is asexual except when it comes to uh, sandwiches. <laughs> Which is not no, not unlike. The, I'm laughing uh, at the first um, the first comment on this video. Yeah. Um, because I had to click read more to see the end of it. Yeah. It goes. Picard isn't married. He's engaged. <laughs> and I laughed at myself for clicking on <laughs> it and reading it. that stupid thing. And uh, thank thank you all for that moment. Um, all right, I hear the, I want to hear his rundown of this story. Oh, that's what I was playing it for. I wanted to see the sandwich eating. We're very different people. Well, I want to see both. Take riffraff when a trio of Norsecans came in. They were Norsecans. clearly spoiling for a confrontation with a group of fresh-faced Starfleet officers such as ourselves. Well, everyone in the group had the good sense to give these Norsicans a wide berth, stand off. Everyone, that is, except me. I stood toe-to-toe with the worst of the three. And I told him what I thought of him, his pals, his planet, and I possibly made some passing reference to his questionable parentage. And the next thing I knew, all three of them were on me, and I was fighting for my life. I was actually doing quite well for a while, too. You fought them and won? I had this one Norsican down in this uh, somewhat devious joint lock when uh, 
unbeknownst to me, one of his chums drew his weapon and impaled me through the back. Curious sensation, actually. Not much pain. Shock, certainly, at the sight of uh, serrated metal sticking through my chest. A certain giddy warmth. In fact, I do actually remember that I laughed out loud. Well, it pierced my heart, of course. In fact, if we'd not been so near to a medical facility, I would surely have died. So really? that's the sandwich eating. <laughs> it would have been my last sandwich I ever ate. Uh, so there it is, Andy. That's the story. It's interesting. I guess that really, uh, really undoes That pretty the much theory. nails down Frederick Rombouts's take on it. It doesn't, though. Nope. Yeah, it does. <laughs> In the past, he was laughing because he was giddy, and in the future, he was laughing because of the irony. Uh, look, if, I'll, in I'll fact, allow that. it wasn't all in Picard's head. <laughs> Just the third possibility. Um, okay, I feel like we really closed the book on tapestry right there. Yeah. Anything else? Do we need? Have, are there any actual hails? No. Uh, well, besides that the one the- that we accidentally read in the wrong place. No, that was the, that okay. was the hell. We sort of, tur- it was a quick turnaround this week. Um, uh, it, Yeah, so. it is a quick turnaround. This went up, uh, this is, we're recording two days or a day after. Yeah. I don't even know. Well, if you'd is. like to send a hail, send it to sttncpod at gmail.com, or you can join the Patreon to get access to the Priority One messages. Uh, Matt is at Matt Myra on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Andrew Secunda on Instagram and at Secunda on Twitter. Or you can send us a voice hail. At 816-TREK-TNC. There you go. Uh, that means it's time to talk about the episode, everybody. Here we go. We crossed the many doors, the many places. Your hails made us think of all your faces. Sit comfortably in your little Borg node. Let's talk about this week's episode. By the way. I'd love to just be in a plugged into a Borg node right now. Just be re- nice. Just regenerating, you know. Not to mention having. Uh, are they nanites and Borgs, or are they something else? Uh, I what believe there's a lot of nanites happening. Yeah, uh, just keep you healthy and strong, and that's what I need. For some reason, I I must have been. But that'd be even better than transporting bad food out of your stomach. I bet you. <laughs> Wait. So you're saying you would like to evacuate your stomach with a transporter every time you eat too much? I thought you proposed this a long time this ago. A, I, was, I was just going to say, this is the best idea I've ever heard. I thought you said it early on in the podcast, well, or at least it was definitely a debate. Boy, oh boy. Um, I'm on board for that, by the way. Um, but if you have the nanites constantly in your blood, maybe they break everything down in a way so it's only healthy and non-fattening. Oh, man, what a dream. Yeah, I'd like to be assimilated. The future. You huh? never see a fat Borg. It's rare. Yeah. <laughs> uh I'd be the I'd be the fattest Borg. Hello. <laughs> I need two nodes. <laughs> uh, all right, everybody. It's Birthright Part One, which aired the week of February twenty second, nineteen ninety three. Andy, what was happening in the world? I'll tell you, Matt. Uh, the number one song in the U.S. remained. Our good friend Whitney Houston with I Will Always Love You. Right of the pod. 
Friend of the Bot. <laughs> Big fan. <laughs> um, number one song in the UK was Oh Carolina by Shaggy. Number one movie, Groundhog Day. Number one book, Remain Bridges Madison County by Robert James Waller. Number one TV show that week, The Grammy Awards. Uh, deaths that week. Um, silent film star Lillian Gish and actress Ruby Keeler. And events. Uh, the World Trade Center is bombed, killing six. The saxophone kicked in at the right time there. <laughs> There's the World Trade Center saxophone. Um, anything else, Andy? That's, That's it. how we'll end the news. Okay. Ending on a high note. Oh, well, then, I guess we can only go up from here, and the best place to do that would be in a... Yeah. So far, we're, we're definitely... We're definitely this is this is uh, uh, near the top for worst episodes. Frank Sinatra, come on! Uh, da, 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 da. It's time for that segment everybody hates. <laughs> time for Frank Sinatra, come on! Oh, Fly Andy. me Whoa. to the moon. Frank's very loud. There. Let me play. What was the chair of the board the up to in February of 1993? Let me see what uh, spring I will is tell like you. Uh, I bet we have more facts about his duet album. In other words, that's right, because uh, unfortunately, um, I think Frank was sort of off the scene. So our good friend Ken Molay dug up some in alternate words, information that was going on in his life. Uh, we continue to look me. at the troubled origins of Frank's duets album. He showed up at Capitol Studios, looked at the full orchestra waiting for him, looked at the isolated vocal recording booth next to it, and said he wouldn't sing that way. <laughs> so they canceled that day's session, opened the booth, put a raised platform in it to act like a miniature stage and pulled the piano over next to it so Frank would feel more like he was singing in concert. Frank showed up the next day, looked over everything, and announced that his voice wasn't in good enough shape and they needed to postpone again. At this point, Capital had spent 350000 without a single note being recorded. <laughs> oh my god. Um, I was wrong. There was a lot going on and he had a lot of detail. Sorry, Ken. Um... I love that he drove over just to say that he couldn't do it. <laughs> well, he, well, I'm not happy with this setup. But like... This ain't how Frank sings. Okay, so that one I can sort of... I can go, okay, Frank, you like to sing with, with an open mic next to the orchestra, so there's a little bleed in. Sure, no problem. We'll make that happen. Come back the uh-huh. next day. He comes back the next day. Eh, I decided my voice isn't good enough. He's really <laughs> fucking with somebody at Capitol. I'll tell you that much. I wonder if he was a little nervous. I wonder when the previous no, time was. I think he's just literally just putting the screws to some fella. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seems like a frank thing to do. Uh, all right. Eh, let me read from Star Trek The Next Generation Companion Revised Edition. Dr. Larry Nemechek. Dr. Trek. Larry Nemechek. Uh, with the Enterprise docked. Oh, sorry. This was directed by Weinrich Colby and written by Brandon Braga. With the Enterprise docked at Deep Space Nine for a Bajoran aid mission, Worf is disturbed to learn that the Moly Uridian Shrek that the Klingon's father... What? He's Moly. Oh, I see what you're saying. He does look mole-like. I've never seen that used as an adjective. Yeah. Uh, Maybe he means mole-looking. Like the chocolate uh, Spanish, uh, Mexican um, 
I don't sauce. I mean, he could mole. mean that. Both of which are just I've never it's <laughs> no, bizarre. He means mole. Um, I'd put a dash. I don't know if I could M O L E Y. That's very bizarre. Um, get in touch with Doctor Trek. <laughs> look, he didn't have time to prove it. They really needed this Kindle edition out. He's not Doctor Adjective. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the, this Uridian uh, tells uh, Worf that his father may have survived the Kittimer massacre, only to be held ever since in a Romulan prison camp. Especially damning, since the honorable Klingon would have died rather than be taken prisoner. At the same time, a device was found. Oh God, everybody! You better find the yawning sound. <laughs> uh, where is it? We ha- I know I have. Oh, there it is. If you search it. for yawning. I'm so sorry, everybody. In fairness, he's had a busy day, and this is this is our second podcast I'm of the day. So we're trying to make use of his, so his week off. Um. Anyway, Doctor Bashir brings aboard the Enterprise this device he found in the Gamma Quadrant, uh, and the test accidentally jolts data, causing the android to shut down and experience a surreal vision of his creator father, Sung. Okay. Convinced by Bashir and LaForge that he was accessing images planted by Doctor Sung, uh, and in effect dreaming, data is compelled to paint the images he doesn't clearly recall and for guidance he asks Worf about a childhood vision the Klingon once described the conversation convinces Worf to put conscience before pride and he too sets out to find his father forcing Shrek to take him to the camp upon landing he is stunned to be captured by the Klingons there who have raised a new generation and don't consider themselves prisoners well that's sort of spoiling it a little bit Dr. Trek Meanwhile, Data opts for a new daily dreaming shutdown period after he takes flight as a bird image and <laughs> imagines and an image of Sung promises he will grow to be more than machine. There we go. And here we go. Let's dive in. Let's see a Galaxy class ship docked at good old DS9. Captain's log, stardate 46578.4. The Enterprise has arrived at Station Deep Space Nine to assist in the reconstruction of the Bajoran aqueduct systems damaged during the Cardassian occupation. I should be through with the water contaminant analysis in a few hours. Then I'm going to check out one of the holo suites. They have a relaxation program here, Jean-Luc, from all tour seven. Listen to this. First, they bathe you in a protein bath. I'm then a cloud of chromal vapor carries you into a meditation chamber. You should try it. I will. Uh, Andy. Yeah. Well, I'll be too busy. Oh, I thought you paused. discussing the finer points of water management with ten Bajoran bureaucrats, <laughs> and they won't be carrying me on a cloud of chromal vapor. Ops. Depends on how you play your cards. Maybe they will. Oh, so true. Uh, it's the first time I've seen Picard be bored by, by, by um, diplomatic. He, you know what's stuff. funny is he's got a little more. There's a little more boredom he expresses in the series going forward here and there. <laughs> it's interesting. It seems like it's his bread and butter. It's funny that it's like he's just like, oh god, I got to mediate another one of these fucking things. <laughs> Now I gotta fix their stupid water. Ugh. Can't you people work out anything without me? Why are the Cardassians such jerks? They had to <laughs> ruin the aqueducts. Um, I do like the idea that Worf and 
Jordy decided to go have lunch together. It's one of my favorite scenes in Trek is them having a casual lunch. Yeah. I love it so much. And it really, it really feels like at a regular job, you just go out to lunch with your friend. Yeah. <laughs> it's, oh, you should eat this. Oh, it's great. Yeah. And, and there's even, even when he says the, uh, I don't know what you're going to play of it, yeah, but here. when he. It's pasta al fiorella. It's one of my favorites. Don't worry. You're going to love it. No, I really want to take a look at those Qatarian antiques. I understand they've got a 21st century plasma coil that's in almost perfect condition. I'll have to talk to Chief O'Brien about these replicators. Or, mm-hmm. I don't see how you can eat that stuff. It tastes like liquid polymer. Delicious. <laughs> You know, I think I'm going to try that kiosk on the other side of the promenade. It looked like they had some real food. Hmm? There's even a kiosk. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's vendors on the uh, on DS9. You can go get. I, I just get mean in terms delicious. of the casual lunch thing. I'm oh. going to pick up something from the kiosk. Gotcha. Uh, I also love that he's he's saying I'm going to talk to him about those. First of all, when we're talking to Chief O'Brien about those replicators, you're going to get in Chief O'Brien's business now that he's on a new job. Say hey. You're screwing this up. It seems like Chief. Uh, I had pasta. It tasted bad. And then O'Brien goes, "Uh huh." <laughs> <laughs> Is that not his area? <laughs> I'm trying to keep a Cardassian station together. What do you need? <laughs> it does sound like that. Although I wonder why it's not good. Isn't DS9's whole thing that they're like, you know, like a a little bit of a maybe pleasure ship is wrong but like a you no. know a, a ship where there's it's no, like disneyland they're more like an no? airport oh an airport yeah no, they're well, more then, like an airport for sure yeah then you, you can't expect the food to be good then then that's on jordy well look jordy jordy knows what he can get out of a replicator and uh well beverly was talking like it was a little bit of a spa well that's that's a quark operates the uh hollow suites that's all part of Quark's bar. So that's Quark but is this, the hospitality this expert. This food situation, I don't believe, was at Quark's. Yeah. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, I think it's very bizarre that Bashir just decided to beam up with this thing and go into their sick bay. Is it atypical for Bashir? I'm operating, you know, Yeah, knowledge. I don't feel like he would do that, but... Excuse me, do you have authorization to work in this area? Come in, come in. I need a hand with this field generator. See if you can boost the power output to 65%. I am sorry, but use of sickbay equipment is limited to ship's medical birth. Now, is that for show? <laughs> On Data's part, that he, he makes the move and then goes, wait a minute. He makes the move to, all right, I'll fix it. And then he goes, wait. What do you, what do you mean? Is that for show? But I think that's exactly what he's Is he like, oh, a human would do it and then realize, of course, I know immediately because my processors, you know, run so fast that uh, that I'm not going to be helping him. But uh, you follow me? No, I think he genuinely gets distracted by the work and his own curiosity. It seems like a flaw in his programming. Or does it seem like his program is working exactly like Dr. Soong wanted it to? I guess to? so. Yeah. He's, he's I mean, acting that's what like this a episode human. really is telling us. It's true. So he even messes up like a human. 
I don't think that's a mess up. I think that's his his he's eager. Yeah. He's like, oh, I like science. Let's do it. Yeah. Personnel. Ah, Dr. Julian Bashir, Chief Medical Officer, Deep Space Nine. And you are Commander Data. Commander Data. Speaking of uh, the synthetic life form, science yes. division junior grade lieutenants, Ugh, Bashir. It's an honor to meet you, sir. I've heard so much about you. Uh, you must have a fascinating perspective into bio-cybernetic research. I'd be delighted if we could discuss the subject sometime. I would be happy to do so. However, I must ask you to stop your experiment. Ah, yes, I realize I should have asked before using your sick bay, but it would have taken me days to analyze this device with the computer I have on Deep Space Nine. What type of device is this? It was discovered in the Gamma Quadrant. I think it must be some sort of medical instrument. It appears to employ... Why do you think that, Dr. Bashir? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like uh, some sort of thing that everyone sees what they want it to be. <laughs> Maybe that is what it is. <laughs> Maybe it's a precursor to that imaginary tool in Picard. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> Splendid. Is, he, is he Lieutenant Junior Grade? Yeah. Oh. He must be miserable with his life. Oh, geez. Lieutenant Junior Grade. I think that's what they're telling you. In a blue shirt. Ugh, the worst. To do it right after Tapestry, it's obvious. I didn't think you'd be so <laughs> personable. I got to say, right off the top, I love the dynamic between these two. And uh, not knowing much about Bashir, uh, I like Bashir already. Klingon. Uh, Bashir's a, a very likable. You are Starfleet Klingon. Zephram Cochran, is that you? You're very old. <laughs> no. This is how you've aged. He's got a real distinctive voice. He's very uh, moly. I reckon <laughs> you can tell he's moly. <laughs> I recognized him right off the top. Uh, so you knew. I him recognized from him big? from something big. <laughs> That's right. Information uh, to sell. You have no information I could use. I would not be so sure. It is about your father, Mog. My father died 25 years ago at Kittimer. That is what you believe. What if I tell you he is still alive? Ooh. Ooh. That's a five-minute cold open. That's lengthy. Wait, wasn't there another cold open part? This was it? That this was, was the, the cold open, yeah. Are you sure it wasn't when he just peeks in on him? No, that this was literally, I just I just skipped the credits. Oh, there you go. Um, well, you got a lot to do. My father is dead. No, he's not. I know where he is. I'm a How is that man. possible? I expect to be paid for my information. Perhaps we could negotiate an exchange. The location of your father. <laughs> Tell me what you know. Not all the Klingons at Kittimer were killed during the massacre. Many were captured by the Romulans and placed in a prison camp on a remote planet. Your father was among them. Where is this planet? Not far from here. I could give you the location. For a price. A Klingon would rather die than be taken prisoner. I should kill you for spreading lies about my family. 
My father was killed defending Kittimer. Cut to Worf in the brig, decommissioned for murder. He <laughs> 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 really, boy, does this really sit with him. The scene is crazy. That's, uh, what, which one? Oh, the one where he's freaking out on the bridge? Ensign Lopez. Great. This Amazing. duty roster is unacceptable. Assignment should be listed in order of priority. Prepare it again. I will expect it no later than 0900 hours. Dismissed. Couldn't give this guy a yes, sir. Nope. He's just background. He's too flummoxed. And they didn't want to pay him. Um, although that should have been featured extra, I hope at least. He, look at all those reactions. Senator, <laughs> you all right? Yes, sir. I am fine. I will send your schedule, sir. Excuse me. Then he breaks the table because he's so angry. Doing Tai Chi. Oh. May I ask? Yeah. Troy's. The color of Troy's outfit is different from the color of Bashir's. Bashir's is turquoise, right? And hers is blue. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's supposed to represent the same division, but it he is, also has a which different is, uniform. Which is sciences? Yeah. And why is Troy's sciences? She's the counselor. She's in medicine. Oh, interesting. Okay, carry on. Enter. I wish you were like, yeah, sure. Medicine. Therapy. What a whack. <laughs> you call that science. <laughs> oh, oh, who else is in blue? The chiropractor? <laughs> Did the table do something wrong? No. I'm glad you weren't that hard on Ensign Lopez. He made a mistake. The duty roster was inaccurate. Also, he's not shatterable. <laughs> would you like to talk about what's Disagree. bothering he's got many you, bones. or <laughs> would you like to break some more furniture? Today on the promenade, a Uridian approached me. Uridian people. The same. <laughs> Tried to sell me information about Moke. Your father. He claimed that he's alive and is being held captive in a Romulan prison camp. Oh my God. Could it be true? A Klingon would never allow himself to be captured. A warrior fights to the death. Might be the first time I've ever heard anyone on Star Trek say, oh my God. <laughs> oh, good point. If my father were alive, it would dishonor his sons and their sons for three generations. Even Alexander would bear the burden of guilt. So I mean, he's got so much to feel to guilty for already. <laughs> I hate him. His mother's dead. <laughs> I mean, he's got a lot on his plate. He almost got us killed that one time with a holodeck. Is that weird relationship with your mother? He laughs all the time. <laughs> I still don't know what the higher the fewer means. <laughs> <laughs> Alexander, shut up. I'm talking to your father right now. I wish he was in the other room just laughing about it. Because you're concerned about dishonor? 
My father is dead. That Uridian is selling lies. If you're so sure about that, why are you still so upset? Worf, you can't deny the possibility just because you don't want it to be true. If you want to talk about this, you know where to find me. These two have such a great dynamic. I could be in my quarters. I could be uh, on the bridge. I could be in my office. I could be in 10 forward. I could be walking the Arboretum. You know where to find me by asking the computer where I am. Oh, good point. <laughs> Transfer. Right. Seems like data. it's a little bit on data Can for standing in, question? in front of the weird thing that's pointing. Uh, yeah. Does it? I mean, does it appear to have a pointy end? I guess it does. Yeah, it's sort of. Well, that's what the that's what the bolt comes out of. It's definitely out of. It's definitely on data. Certainly. Does your hair grow? I can control the rate of my follicle replenishment. However, I have not yet had a reason to modify the length of my hair. Why do you ask? Oh, just curious. Power conduits are ready. Do you think Jordy's steaming that they're making this big connection? Is something wrong, Bashir's Doctor? Bashir's all, Were you all into it. I mean, yes. it would be funny if I do you have saw a functional re- the, uh, <laughs> if you saw Jordy in the background there freaking out. <laughs> just, just shaking just his head. Scowling. Uh, he's just shaking his hands. He starts banging on the console. An ensign comes in and Jordy slugs him. <laughs> he comes over and goes, all right, well, why don't we just forget about all this? Why don't you go back to your, 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 your station, huh? Respiratory system. However, its purpose is to maintain thermal control of my internal systems. I am, in fact, capable of functioning for extended periods in a vacuum. And you have a pulse. My circulatory system not only produces biochemical lubricants, it regulates microhydraulic power. Most people are interested in my extraordinary abilities, how fast I can compute, my memory capacity, how long I will live. No one has ever asked me if my hair will grow or noticed that I can breathe. Well, your creator went to a lot of trouble to make you seem human. I find that fascinating. Okay, I think we're ready to begin the transfer. Power connections yeah, are complete. Up, guys. <laughs> I'll monitor the coil's transfer rate. Will you keep an eye on the transient power response? Of course. We are ready, Jordy. Okay, initiating energy transfer. Just gonna stand in front of where the muzzle would be if this were a gun. Also, uh, Power levels it's are fun that we're steady. putting this unknown device and tapping it directly into the warp core. <laughs> Transient response is normal. They do a lot of... Jordy and Data are up to a lot of very questionable things in the engine room. Uh, my favorite was when they were testing the phaser fire right in yeah. front. Remember that? For those rifles that were replicated? Oh, that's right. No, but there was also the one recently where something had gone terribly wrong on the ship that Scotty was on, and then they brought the same thing onto the Enterprise. Wasn't it that one? No, the transporter the... one. The transporter thing. Oh, Oh, right, uh, the Barkley one. In, uh, uh, yeah, where he's afraid of trans... I forget the name of that episode. Yeah, where it exploded, right? 
Yeah. So they brought that. Yeah. They beamed it. <laughs> they decided instead of putting it in the transporter, they beamed it to the warp core. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you would let them do that. I mean, I literally mean that in a in a production standpoint. Like, I know you want to move it to a different set, and maybe you don't have the transporter room. But that tra- transporter room is a standing stage, I, I, a standing set. I don't. I feel like in a production meeting, I'd be like, "Oh, guys, this, we shouldn't do this in engineering. Just logically, for the show, it doesn't make any sense that they would bring this explodey thing." I think they wanted to make it look like they were doing more science stuff. Can't we do it in sick bay? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Warp core it is. Uh... So then... A plasma shock overloaded your positronic Special. You were down a good 30 seconds. That cannot be possible. I have a memory record for that period of time. I can recall a series of images. I saw Dr. Soong. My father. He means his inventor, but you get it. <laughs> Jordan. <Pretty> controllers. <laughs> no sign. They're controllers. No sign of any residual energy fluctuation, cascade overload. My internal diagnostic indicates that my memory systems are functioning within normal parameters. For the 47 seconds I was inactive, there was no record of cognitive activity. There's no doubt about it, Data. You were completely shut down. Maybe you had some kind of random power fluctuation caused you to access one of your memory files. That cannot be. The image I saw was of Dr. Sung as a young man. I did not encounter him until much later in his life. There appears to be no rational explanation for my experience. Yeah, and I'll take another look at the diagnostic log. In the meantime, you better disconnect that device. Hmm. Data. Perhaps we're going about this the wrong way. How so? Well, maybe you had a dream. Or a hallucination. I am not capable of either of those functions. Yet you can't account for what happened today, can you? At present, I cannot. Well, maybe you should approach this from a more human standpoint. You're right that machines can't have hallucinations. But then again, most machines can't grow hair. Hair. Um, and then also, like, to, to your point about the earlier data, uh, forgetting himself and deciding to uh, help, n- n- tell Bashir that he shouldn't be in there, he, Data also comes up to Worf and decides not to bother him. It's true. <laughs> Wait. What is it, Commander? I am sorry to bother you, but I have a question of a personal nature. Do you have a moment? A moment. And then I must get back to brooding. <laughs> this is my brooding spot. I have heard you mention that you once experienced a vision. Yes. I, I, I really, when I was young, my adopted really parents do. arranged for me to Sorry. partake in the rite of... I was saying, I really do like this scene quite a bit. It's great. Um, 
there are some just fantastic face-to-face scenes in this. And I will also say, I, I don't know. I wonder if they got a new DP or something. It looks beautiful. It's just lit so beautifully. This scene in particular. Um... You know, I didn't notice it, but uh, now that you're saying it. Yeah. Maybe they're using Deep Space Nine's DP. I was Mushka. I understand it involves deep meditation in the lava caves of Nomot. That prolonged exposure to the heat induces a hallucinatory effect. Where are you asking? Pretty wild, that's right. I have recently had an unusual experience which might be described as a vision. What happened? An accident in engineering shut down my cognitive functions for a short period of time, yet I seemed to remain conscious. I saw my father. You are very fortunate. That is a powerful vision. If it was a vision, I do not know how to proceed. You must find its meaning. If it has anything to do with your father, you must learn all you can about it. In the Klingon Majgar ritual, there is nothing more important than receiving a revelation about your father. Your father is a part of you. Always. Learning about him teaches you about yourself. (laughs) That is why no matter where he is or what he has done you must find him but I'm not looking for my father yes of of course do not stop until you have the answer thank you Worf I like that. Also, I like the touch of him calling him Worf at the end instead of Lieutenant. That's a really good point. Just like a human. Yeah. Um. Uh. Before we get past it, there's one thing I wanted to ask you. His whole thing, Worf's whole thing, is that a Klingon would never allow himself to be captured. Haven't we seen Worf be captured? I mean, the only thing that came to mind was that one time when the uh, when the two guys <laughs> get on either side of him and just take his phaser from him. <laughs> But that's, uh, not, that's uh, not being captured. What's that? That's being disarmed. Uh, the end. Uh-huh. It's like he was Seems. taken to a prison. Do you know what I mean? There's a difference. All right. Seems. Do you seems not like see a difference at all? I see the difference, but it just seems like the that if the Klingon's you... offense is like you must never let yourself be captured. Then, you know, you must never let yourself have your phaser taken from you and be completely well that's you know, a different that's a different disarmed together uh-huh you can be disarmed well yeah you can be disarmed then you fight hand to hand fuck it you're a klingon yeah but, you, didn't you do know that wait it out wait for your moment then honestly then i guess that's part of what handle right on the back just go boom or like i guess Warf that is in this one palm exactly that is kind of i think what bothers me in that moment and why that's badly written for Worf is it sort of does have him just sort of going, all right, I guess I got my phaser. What are you going to do? Well, it's just, that's what ha- needs to happen in the story. I know. Oh, I forgot. We see Morn. Oh, no. Morn's oh, just no. the barfly, right? Yeah. It's hung up. 
this is hung up. It's hung up here. I like how Worf, uh... No, it's not possible. I have no means of transportation. I checked the station records. Do you have... Yeah. Odo would have been on him in two seconds. The Allurian, whatever he is? No, Odo, the chief of security on DS9. Would have been on who? The, he would have been on top of this. Like, he would have, he would have like, appeared next to them. And, oh, I see. And made Worf not do that. I see. Oh, when he What is the real him, reason you do not wish to take me? Is it because what you have told me is not true? No. The camp is located on the edge of Romulan space. It is a dangerous journey. Dangerous? <laughs> it would be more dangerous for you to refuse. Oh, very well. But I will require full payment in advance. No, no, I will pay you after. But... Uh, yes, yes, of course. Uh, and then they're just like, then it turns into like a buddy movie. Thirty kilometers. <laughs> I don't. I, I figured. Very dense. It, I would have an issue with it and be like, "We're well, spending a lot of time on this, and where are the other characters? We barely seen Picard." But honestly, I was enjoying all of it, and 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 Worf is kind of great in this episode, just in how Dorn is playing him. And I think uh, Cromwell is, uh, it's tough. I think I've said this before. It's tough to come in as a new alien race, particularly one with the heavy prosthetics, and not end up performing it kind of arch and silly. And uh, I think everything that Cromwell does kind of feels organically what that alien would be like, the movements yeah, and the voice. Yeah, except I feel like he'd want his ship to be darker, you know, because he's a mole person. Well, that's certainly true. It should be filled with dirt, yeah. and then every time he wants to talk to to Worf, yeah, he, he pops to his head dirt. out. He has to move the yeah. dirt aside. Right. Uh, oh, you want to <laughs> see the controls? Hang on, let me slide this dirt off of it. I don't know what to tell you. I'm moly. Moly. Oh, anyway. It will take me approximately twelve hours to reach the camp. I may have to travel during the night. That would be unwise. This is not an empty jungle. There are many predators. I am prepared. Very well. But I recommend that you look up from time to time. The arboreal needle snake likes to attack from above. <laughs> it's a good performance. I, I will like provide it. you with a map of the camp. That'll do, Worf. That'll do. Kind of looks a little bit like uh, the Emperor when you're kicking his ass at Burp Palpatine. You mean when he can't shut off his force, his, his uh, Sith lightning? I guess. But you have for letting these people... Look, he's... I, I... When Samuel Jackson has beaten him. Yeah. That's because yeah. he can't turn it off. That's because the problem. I feel like whatever is electrocuting him, it like, it, like, it like causes like a muscle spasm that makes sure. the lightning continue to come out. Look, dark force lightning is uh, it's very Look, hard to control. That's all I'm saying. Like, yeah. I get it. You know, that's why Ray and uh, with, with two lightsabers it was able to melt people. Whatever. Worf has his uh, his Jellico mission blacks on now. That's right. They didn't have to make new outfits because he wore them three episodes ago. Don't worry, I haven't. I'm not going to wear the hood this time. That was stupid looking. Especially because I have a ponytail now. Oh, that might, I wonder if that was a decision, if he was going to wear the same thing. And they're like, no, he can't now. He's got the ponytail. Not at all. I'm here studying the intricacies of Bajoran aqueduct management. 
I would welcome a little interruption. Please sit down. Oh. I wish I was a lieutenant junior grade in natural physics right now. Advice. I'd be looking at stars, not an water pipes. Regarding my recent unexplained experience. Hmm. Your vision of Dr. Sung. How is your investigation proceeding? I have analyzed over 4,000 different religious and philosophical systems, as well as over 200 psychological schools of thought in an effort to understand what happened. And what have you found? I've been unable to find a single interpretation of the images I saw during the time I was shut down. The hammer, for instance, has several meanings. The Klingon culture views the hammer as a symbol of power. However, the Takwa tribe of Nagor sees it as an icon of hearth and home. The Ferengis view it as a sign of sexual prowess. I'm curious, Mr. Data, why are you looking at what all kind these of other prowess? Cultures? Go on. The interpretation of visions and other why, why the Frankies would value the hammer. are almost always culturally derived. And I have no culture of my own. Probably because of their ears. What does that have to do with hammers? Nothing. Oh. Every explanation for Ferengi is their giant ears. Yes, you do. Yeah, I guess so. You're a culture of one, which is no less valid than a culture of one billion. Perhaps... The key to understanding your experience is to stop looking into other sources for a meaning. When we look at Michelangelo's David or Simne's tomb, we don't ask, what does this mean to other people? The real question is, what does it mean to us? Explore this image, Data. Let it excite your imagination. Focus on it. See where it leads you. I love imagination. You know, I once was going to live without imagination, and I said, no, no, Q. <laughs> it's the core of my personality, and I can only experience it as a captain. <laughs> Let it inspire you. I believe I understand, sir. Thank you. Good luck, Mr. Data. Are you sure you don't want to hang around and talk to me a little longer? Oh, you could aqueducts. also study this aqueduct thing very quickly. <laughs> Just give me a summation. No. Just bullet point it for me, you know. Maybe write it on an index card. <laughs> uh, Data starts painting. Maybe this is when he paints his daughter. You never know. Oh, could be. Could be. Then Worf and the Mole Man go through the jungle. <laughs> The mole man would probably be useful with those snakes jumping from above. Oh, my God, yeah. And then, uh, let's see, Worf sees a Klingon girl uh, taking a Klingon bath or something. Or hunting. I can see you. It's a bath. It's funny when they, when they leaned into this and you heard the splashing, I was like thinking, well, the cliche would be that Worf sees a, a naked lady. But I was like, but of course that's insane. <laughs> it's like, nope, that's what oh, they're doing. No, not, not insane. Yeah. In fact, the most sane thing you've said. <laughs> what a crazy thing. playing that there's really nothing happening here comes Jordy what are you doing? we were supposed to meet it can I buy one of these data <laughs> we don't have money I don't know how Dwarf's gonna pay doing? that guy but <laughs> I'm painting I can see that how long have you been at this 
I have created 23 individual illustrations in the past six hours, 27 minutes. I believe you could say I have been inspired. I'll say. I have done as Captain Picard suggested. I have tried to explore the images. Has it helped? I am not certain. I began by painting the image of the blacksmith. Hmm. Then I painted the corridor. I would love to have the painting of the corridor. <laughs> that is that, a great painting. The anvil, the hammer, and Dr. Sung's face. Then I painted some clouds, the decided to go to in a different direction. <laughs> And then a tree. And the clouds, the clouds needed wings, so then I started painting birds. <laughs> I then drew an entire bird. A flock of birds flying in formation. Then a flock I of I painted seagulls. Riker and Picard in a fist fight. <laughs> Picard's winning here. <laughs> what does it mean? Um so what do you think of what do you think of Data's dream sequence? I really liked it. I was interested. I like that he has it. I like that I think that's an interesting turn for him. I like that. A little heavy handed, but all all dream sequences are heavy handed. Yeah. I love that Spot shows it's up in it. The same. You like Always. that Spot's the captain. That's the other thing. Spot is in the captain's chair. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. happening father I don't know data what is happening we are on the deck of the enterprise my cat is present he's the captain my potted plant my plant is the counselor <laughs> my other painting is Riker and my paintings a beginning Still a little grounded in the mundane, but showing promise. I do not understand. You're not supposed to. No man should know where his dreams come from. It spoils the mystery. I will say at first with this performance as sung, mm -hmm. I was kind of like, he's kind of doing a lore. Uh, but then I realized, well, he kind of based lore on himself. So um, it, from that perspective, it's kind of impressive that so old sung is distinct from young sung and young sung is more similar to lore who was based on young sung. I think I see what you're saying. So you're saying that this the that Spiner is playing Young Sung the same way he plays Lore or similar. I'm not sure if it's conscious, but it at least tracks in my head. At first I was like, "No, nah, it seems like he maybe is he's doing the same thing he does for Sung." But then I was like, "Well, that's kind of makes sense." Imagine if he was still doing the old voice. <laughs> <laughs> That's just how Sung talks at any age. Uh, data, data, this is a star. I'm now Mark Twain. 
proud of you, son. <laughs> I wasn't sure you'd ever develop the cognitive abilities to make it this far. But if you're here, if you can see me, <laughs> you've crossed over the threshold from being a collection of circuits and subprocessors and have started a wonderful journey. What type of journey? Think of it... Think of it as an empty sky. Clearly not data, clearly not data. I do not understand. Oh, yeah. Shh. Oh, pre-CG. Dream. Data. You are the bird. Data's the bird. Bird. It reminds me of Game of Thrones. Um, it's a lot of crow stuff in Game of Thrones. Well, I mean, come on, crows are the best. Why did I think there were random Game of Thrones facts? Did those circuits? I thought it was a raven. There's a raven also, yeah. There's a three-eyed raven. There. No, no, I mean, I thought this was a raven. Oh, this was. Oh, this might be a raven. Into my base crow too. Here's the thing. You and I not great at ornithology. Programming, intending to activate them once I had reached a certain. Not necessarily great at podcasting either. Prematurity. For sure not. That is correct. I'm curious. Now that those circuits are active, what are you going to do with them? I plan to shut down my cognitive functions for a brief period each day. I hope to generate new internal visions. It sounds to me like you're talking about dreaming. An accurate analogy. Remarkable. You know, this is just the kind of thing that might get me published in the Starfleet Cybernetics Journal. Would you mind if I authored a paper on all this? Of course not. Thank you, Data. And sweet dreams. I love it. It's great. Look at how old that that guy walking by is. That guy's older than the the cellist. Hang on. (laughs) Extra. No. uh, Well, yes. uh, The extra, by the way, I noticed in the reflection coming, and I thought it was. I thought Picard was coming. Yeah. Uh, just because I saw the reflection first, but if you take a look at uh, Bashir's shoes, uh, I think he's just wearing socks as he leaves here. <gasps> really? Paper and all this? Of course not. Thank you, Data. And sweet dreams. I think you're right. Yeah. I think he took his boots off. He's like, come on, come like on, bro, this. be a pro. I think he was a pro, and he asked, and they said, sure. Uh, who knows? Maybe We're not going to see your Bashir. Yeah, go well, ahead. You know Bashir better. Is, is he the kind of guy who would walk around with socks every once in a while? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> really, I really have to think about it. I'd like to go over there, but I'm too shy. <laughs> they won't like me. <laughs> All those Klingons. Oh. Who are you? Worf. Son of Moog. Why have you come here? I 
going to find my father. Is he alive? Is he here? Your father, Valet Kittimer. Did he die in battle? He was fortunate. You were captured? Yes. Romulans. They robbed you of your right to die in battle. There's very little time. How many Klingons are being held here? Seventy-three. How many Romulans guard the camp? Wolf, there are things you, you do not understand. What do you mean? By the way, this is lovely. This is great. I did not recognize that this is Richard Hurd until I read the credit. Yeah. So I mean, I knew that I, I knew that I knew him from something big, and, and it, it was, made sense. What was it? Sequest. Uh, I mean, he's been in uh, the, Seinfeld. All the, the yeah, Seinfeld is the one that I really know him from. Admiral Paris, Tom Paris's dad. That's of course the other thing I know him from. But the uh, but Seinfeld would have been the something big. Mm. But uh, yeah, he does a good job with the performance. I uh, yeah, it really does because like he I, I I lost him completely. Like I didn't at all lose Cromwell. Yeah. I must. I must speak with the elders. father well Worf. and I remember you a boy barely able to lift a atlas once your father insisted we take you on the ritual hunt you were so eager you tried to take the beast with your bare hands it mauled your arm I still have the scar I would show you, but I have sleeves. <laughs> I do remember you now. You should not have come here, Worf. I do not understand. You should not have come. I heard you the first time. Uh, so then, uh... For that now, he would bring others. And uh... There, he gets captured there. <laughs> yeah, he gets captured, man. We are not leaving here. And neither are you. But I've been dishonored now. <laughs> I must go to Snowbocorp. <laughs> uh, Kill me. Yeah. Okay, so uh, as far as purse parters go, we get some awards to hand out. Okay. Uh, yeah, hard to do in a in a, in a one parter. Yeah, I mean uh, it's really just personal things are at stake. Nobody's really in danger other than the people who put themselves in danger. Um, I, I might, I'm kind of inclined to give it to Bashir just for being a swell guy to date, <laughs> but um, is it Picard? <laughs> I don't mind Bashir. Well, I is mean, Pic honestly, but if you think about it. 
Picard's the one who's who's mashing it out, trying to do his work with the uh, the actual. You know? Yeah, but also like think about the thrust of the episode and how it's Bashir who gets Data to realize that he's more than meets the eye. Is it? It's really sung, isn't it? Or it's or it's Worf. You could no, say it's, it's Worf. Vision. He's the one who has that no, conversation he, with him. No, but it's 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 Sung who even uh, it's sorry it's Bashir who even puts the idea in his head that he could uh-huh. have been dreaming. Oh, that's fair. But Worf's the one who says you should pursue this. Well, if it was Worf's Bashir, really, Worf are we, is really just talking about himself. Let's be honest. That is true. He's being very self-centered in that scene. Are we considering Bashir part of the crew when he's on they the are, Enterprise working on they that? Are, they are docked at Deep Space Nine. And is, wait, does that mean that they're Enterprise that crew or they're DS9 connected. crew? They're connected. All right, let's give it to Bashir. I love it. <laughs> Julian Bashir, enjoy the first of hopefully many MVC awards uh, for part one, birthright part one. So uh, that being said, it's time to issue uh, some Andes. We sit and watch and then we hang and talk But the podcast isn't over just yet How many Andes does this episode get? All right. Uh, yeah, part one of a first parter, Andy. What do part you think? Part one I mean, the intrigue is certainly part. there. I love it. I really enjoy... Two-parter, yes. I said the it, wrong thing. <laughs> it's got a chill... It's got a chill vibe, you know, from the lunch between Worf and Jordy on, but... It's this is the kind of thing you can do once a show has hit its stride and everybody's comfortable is you can just take take your time and have it be interesting and you're still intrigued by the characters. Both Worf's story and um Data's story are interesting. And I love the the you know, there's not much on it, but the I feel like Marina Sirtis has really hit her stride too, like with that character. Like I feel well, like they, she's, they, I she's think they've giving, turned her into a yeah. They're giving her better stuff to do, and they're also just they're bending her character a little bit. And I don't know if it's just with Worf to be a little bit more sardonic, and it really suits her. Um. So, but it is the first half of a two-parter, so it doesn't really feel like they hit the landing with anything. Oh, really? And I know you've said that before. Well. Like well, they I introduce mean, the concepts, but what I like but, to what I, I mean, how I judge two parters is like, how much do I want to see the next episode? You know, like like true. is the hanging question enough to get me back to go? Okay, now let me finish this up. It's true, but if you're judging against best of both worlds, there's nothing that competes. Uh, I mean, I suppose that I am because they're both two parters. Um, I give it an eight. Um, I, 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 I should stop letting you go first. That's exactly right. Eight, eight. <laughs> you hate having the same score as me, don't you? I don't you? like You try it. to swerve away when you can. I don't like it. What is it that bothers you? <laughs> About having the same score as you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just like to be an individual and, and, and march to the <laughs> so beat of funny. my own drum. I feel like sometimes you swerve away it's interesting so i don't no, no, know no. Our i always, taste I always becoming... have it in my head like i have my yeah. i have my andy in my head yeah and like sometimes the way you discuss you the way you're talking about something you land on a number and i'm just like that's lower than i thought and it's my number and it's higher <laughs> or it's or it's higher and it's my number it's crazy 
Um, so, eights. I'm trying to keep all my numbers consistent now. Eights. Uh, let's watch the trailer, Andy, for Birthright Part Two. I just sent it to you in the chat there. Oh no, I didn't. Okay. I sent you the wrong thing. Don't click on that. That's that'll just bring you back to the episode. There, there's the correct one. Looks like one giant link now. Got it. Cool. All right, count us in. Three, two, one, go. Trapped in a Romulan prison, Worf vows to liberate his fellow Klingons. You will grow accustomed to life here. Never. But can one man end years of captivity? I won't allow you to destroy what we have. Are you afraid to die while escaping? And must he sacrifice himself to start a revolution? It will kill you. Raise your weapons. Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. And Dana also has dreams. Intriguing. Are you intrigued? I'm intrigued. I love it. Uh, I'm not best of both worlds intrigued, but I am intrigued. No, 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 no. Never. How could you possibly be best of both worlds intrigued? Yeah. It would have to be food related. The tallest. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Next week on Star Trek, what shall we order, number one? I think (laughs) the pizza's good here. (laughs) That I would would be less interested in. (laughs) Uh, So dumb. All right, everyone. We'll see you uh, next week for uh, part deuce. In the meantime. Uh, beam me out? I don't know. <laughs> Follow Star Trek The Next Conversation on social media. You can find them on Instagram and Twitter at Star Trek TNC. On Facebook, search for Star Trek TNC and join the face group. Send comments, questions, prime correctives, and anything else to sttncpod at gmail.com. And if you'd like to leave a voice hail, call 816-TREK-TNC. That's 816-873-5862. For callers outside of the United States, use country code PLUS1. And don't worry, no one answers the phone. It's only for messages. If you've got something to mail to Matt or Andy, send it to Andrew Secunda, P.O. Box 46898, Los Angeles, California, 90046. And please send an email to let them know that something is coming. Finally, to support the podcast and get even more content, visit patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. Be a lieutenant for only $5 per month or join the President Circle for $17.01 per month.